Welcome to Back to the Footy, episode nine. I'm down here in the pod cave with Nostradamus himself. Thank you, uh, James. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in a, um, on a bleak day, but here we are safely yeah. down in the bowels, the bowels of, uh, of, uh, of Shea Nostradamus. Casa de Nostradamus. Casa <laughs> Nostradamus. Um, James, why, why? Oh, look, I don't know how many James Bond movies you've um, watched in your time, but I mean, everybody's watched a few. A few. Yeah. yeah. And don't you love that bit in, in James Bond movies where everything's conspiring against James Bond down to the absolute, like he's, he's in a cage, it's completely padlocked, he's above water, there are sharks or, 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 or alligators there is absolutely no way out of this at all in the world. And yet somehow Ian Fleming, when he wrote these or the films themselves as a der- derivative of Fleming or whatever, just somehow get him out of there within about oh, half a minute usually mm. um, in the most ridiculous way, usually by a piece of technology that was poorly explained early in the, in the movie so you didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. That's some Kilda at half time. <laughs> <laughs> Because you yeah. were gone, you were gone. You were you were James Bond in the cage with the gators circling, and somehow after three after half time, no, no, just like James Bond, you're back out, you're back with the Bond girl in the um, in the Jamaican uh, um, sort of hacienda style hotel, <laughs> living it up. Yeah, how good have our third quarters been? Yeah, they are third quarter special Premiership quarter specialists. Um, Nathan Burke at halftime, I was driving into the show and, and he was on ABC Radio saying, St Kilda are a blue-collar team who are trying to play like a white-collar team. And I thought that was that was appropriate for that first half. You know, you can't mm. dissect an opposition with pinpoint passes if you can't kick very well. Yes. And St Kilda, let's, let's be fair, pressures their game. Mm. Just like um, James Bond... Uh, as he's, I'll get your phone off there, mate. As he's trying to uh, escape the bowels of a of a dungeon and the alligators, he he just uses just an element of pressure just to get out of danger. He does, but he's a white collar operator, James Bond, or is he a blue collar man? I reckon he's blue collar at heart. Sean Connery was blue collar at heart, <laughs> but your, your your Roger Moore, I think, was more more your white collar. And did what people? What, what about Pierce? Yes, I think Pierce was your white collar. White collar. Prior when those terms were invented, did people rock up to concreting, plastering, and and you know carpentry jobs with the blue collar? I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't think so. No. no. There's a good uh, a good song. It's a kind of in. It's not really in the sea shanty genre, but it's it's sung by a famous uh, folk singer from Canada named Stan Rogers. Who um, it's called the White Collar Holler. Oh. And it's a classic. You should look it up. If you're listening, uh, if you're still listening after this opening, <laughs> look up the White Collar Holler. It's uh, it features the Xerox machine because it was written back in the eighties, oh, early eighties. Oh, not experimental music. Experimental shanties. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think the genre of all aspects of culture that I dislike the most is the experimental classical. <laughs> Your Philip Glass style <laughs> music, which it, it, I, I read a review on Saturday in the Age of a new thing in Melbourne featuring uh, a collaboration between Philip Glass and Leonard Cohen, 
And it, the reviews by all over the world basically saying that this is the most self-indulgent piece of ridiculous wank that they've ever mm. come across in their life. But no, the New York Times thought it was... Uh, Didn't Leonard Cohen die? Yes, he did. They're clearly not collaborating after death. Right, a post collaboration. Although you could actually suggest that that's possibly where this has come from. Right. Maybe the people who listen will be... Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, oh, look, I'm old school. Trot out the four seasons and I'm a happy man. It's difficult for me to hear this because the uh, some of the music that I'm playing in this show as we speak currently is a little bit of atonal uh, dissonance at the top of the piano while Leontes in The Winter's Tale is kind of confessing his, uh, you know, or not confessing, he's, he's realising that he's been cheated on and it's getting pretty dark and I'm there twinkling away playing angular sort of intervals. And on opening night there was a woman in the crowd who I'm certain is not listening to this podcast, so I, I, can, I don't know who she was, but um, she, she found humour in either... Leontes realizing that he, you know, he'd been cheated on by his another mm. courtly man and assisted by Camillo the pimp. Oh, yeah, yeah, which I, that's mm. a line I like. Um, he, he, she was either laughing at that or she was laughing at my piano playing. Maybe, maybe not a fan of the experimental modernist music. No, no. I think the experimental modernist music was just purely invented to make people who actually just like music you know, feel just a little bit small, uh, just a little bit less and enable those people just to <clears throat> mm. basically, I could say expound, but I mean just whack, really. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, just a sep- a bit of a se- cultural separator. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. Well, back just, to the football. Back, back to the football. Well, back to your name, Nostradamus. And, and I'm tempted to call you uh, Nostradamus of the... I don't know how I'd put this, but uh, you're a very relaxed Nostradamus today in your moccasins and your... They're not moccasins. Are they not? No. What, are, what do you call these? They're the Grosby, they're the Grosby gentleman's slipper. <laughs> they're the lure, I'll have you know. <laughs> and I'm the only person still, I reckon, in Australia wearing... Are they... Wearing the velour. They're some sort of period piece, are they? They are a period piece because the, all the smell of them indicates they're sort of from the Middle Ages at the moment because the... The gentleman's slipper can get a bit mm. a bit on the nose if it's around for too long. Were they were they around in the time of the uh, Barassi? Uh, what were the what were the boots? The Bar- right? Ron Barassi plastics. The Barassi plastics. Oh, the Grosby stiffer. It, it's it's slipper royalty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I eschew the UGG boot and the moccasin and all yeah. those things in favour of the blue, the blue velour slipper. You're a blue collar man at heart. Yeah, I'm a blue slipper man. Blue slipper. With just a little bit of, I like the fact there's a little bit of elastic in the sides, as if you really needed a whole lot of elastic in there because there's people saying, gee, these slippers are tight. If <laughs> <laughs> so there was a bit of elastic in the side, I could get them on properly, like a new pair of RMs or something, yeah, where, yeah. where you're really struggling to get them on and off. But the slipper doesn't need doesn't need the elastic. It's probably, it? no, it's an added, yeah. added bonus. But the Nostradamus comes, of course, because if you listen to episode eight last week of Back to the Footy, everything that you said came true. It was a round of going whack. And, it uh, was. The match of the round, you said St Kilda could win if they, uh, if they you know, used the width of mm. Marvel. And, and after half time, they did. They opened up the ground. Oh, gee, it was a nice game to watch after half time. They, mm. really, um, they really played well. Yeah, very, very impressive. Shame about Jack Steele, obviously. Six to eight weeks. Mm. Yeah. 
but uh, good run coming out. Like we've got a well, I mean, you say that Adelaide will probably get us this week, and North uh, will get their second win of the win of the season. I don't. The buy will beat us in the. <laughs> no, it's no. I don't think so. I think I think it's all it, things are becoming clearer, and I'll be Nostradamus just for a second again. But I, uh-huh. I think things are becoming clearer, and despite the fact Freo. Um, bung- oh, see, I don't think Freo did bungle it on the weekend. I'm in the camp that says that actually, along with the Freo coach, mm. who says that Gold Coast are maybe pretty good actually, this yeah, year. Uh, they play well. They play well as a team too, which is what they haven't played for a while. Yeah. So I was impressed with Gold Coast. There were, there were elements of the Saints and Port game about it, a bit slippery and mm. low scoring. And I, I don't know you can get a read into Frio's form, but maybe you can get a read into uh, into Gold Coast form. They're a dry track team, Frio. Yeah, mm. dry track. Um, dry track. And, and just while we're mentioning Frio, I think my, our friend Heather is on the mend because the, the vitriol <laughs> that I had texted to me <laughs> after the game would indicate that she's up and about a little bit. Okay, um, great. Yeah, yeah, Heather. Yeah, she's she's yeah slipped back into yeah a lot of the vernacular and uh, and and a bit of working blue as well. Yeah. Do you ever do the media blackout if you can't watch the game live? Do you? Yes. Black it out. Heather ruined a media blackout for me one day before I realised she was a big Freo supporter. I had the Freo Saints game on on delay, maybe three hours after, and. Um, you could be the only person that's ever put a Frio Saints game on the way, I think. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a close game from memory. And, yeah, I didn't know that Heather was a big supporter. Anyway, I, I didn't check any messages. But when I got a message from Heather, I thought, I wonder what lovely Heather wants on a <laughs> Sunday afternoon in the graveyard shift. She wanted to gloat. She wanted to gloat. <laughs> uh, and then the other game, I, there's two other things worth probably mentioning. The Dogs midfield again played and the Dogs midfield beat Collingwood this yeah, time, with the help of the no help from the other twelve players, just the <laughs> midfield, which I think is remarkable that a whole a team just puts a midfield out there and they still manage to pull it off. Yeah. Um, and the, Port, I don't know. Two Port, easy wins, two hard wins. Port are a good side. I think Port are a good side. Hinkley, you know, they're they're the, they're the spectre. If we're going to go with your keep on, you know, the show you're in the Shakespearean mm. sort of line, they're the spectre at the feast. Mm. I think. <laughs> They are. They they might they might be the one this year that instead of getting any a horrible wake up call in the preliminary, they could actually go through the finals going whack, whack, whack and just go. That could be the alarm clock. Wake up. They could be. Yeah. I think we've all got a fear port a little bit. And when Charlie Dixon comes back, yeah. He's a very large man, isn't he? He is. He's a good player. Yeah. Fear uh, port. A really appalling tattoos though. What do you think about the, the sleeve? Well. Does Charlie have a sleeve? I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. No. When is it a sleeve? Does it have to get all the way to the wrist? I think that's for another, maybe that's for next week's podcast. We'd better have a bit of a look into, into ink. Ink. Yeah. Having a bit of deja vu. I think we might have talked about it once before on the, on yeah. the pod. But uh, someone will write in no, and tell we're us. Just, yeah, no, we're just, we're just accumulating, you know, stuff to S- fill time in. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with uh, maybe a quiz. Yeah, I have a quiz. In the second quarter. All right, look forward to it. All right, welcome back to the second quarter, back to the footy episode nine. And Nostradamus was just uh, 
was just uh, profitizing. Is that the word? What's to profitizing? Pro- pro- oh. I've only ever read it. Yeah, I've only ever read it. Too. Yeah. It's like eponymous. I have a lot of trouble with yeah. that word because I never know quite when to use it. And then I've used it a couple of times and it's been really out of context yeah. and I've looked like a complete dick. And, you know, yeah. you don't really. So, yeah. You, you, I once called a person a mendicant thinking it meant something else, but just meant a beggar and it was completely inappropriate. A yeah, a mendicant. <laughs> Yeah, I've just used the word since. Oh, yeah. Should you used it today either? Did you? Oh, that we can't actually go there. This is a family show. But what one thing you were saying in the break was that just because you're sad doesn't mean that you're meaningful. That what that you're saying is meaningful. meaningful. Yeah, and we confuse the two sometimes. What what I enjoyed about it though was Nostradamus was giving me a few examples going through, and he was getting quite deep until uh, and he, until he said, and I, I won't I won't mention names. Can I mention the famous names? Oh, you better not. Oh, why? But he mentioned a famous uh, musician who, just because he's sad, doesn't mean he actually it doesn't mean doesn't make what he's singing meaningful or anything like that. And I was really getting deep into this conversation, and then Nostradamus goes, and also he gave my brother my my brother's best friend a really hard time when he was in school. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, no, I've not liked. I've not liked him ever since. They're all your particularly mo- for that. Are all your mottos in life just uh, uh, shaped by? Well, we might as well mention it was. It was Nick Cave. <laughs> if we're going to be really, you know, upfront about this, I had a funny story. My, my a friend of mine, John, who I lived with at uni, who's a great friend and lovely bloke, he really, really liked the Nick Cave, and uh, John's lived most of his life. Not now, but he's done the sea change. But in um, oh, Balaclava. Um, St Kilda sort of area mm. around there. Nick Cave, and he's always held Nick Cave up as a bit of a hero, uh, a man who's above him and has meaning and all that sort of thing. And then one day, uh, and, it, and it's true, never meet your heroes because there he was getting, you know, buying nappies <laughs> in coals on a really wet, horrible Friday night. Mm. And who should be standing there looking over the nappies and choosing which one to buy? Nick Cave. Papa Cave. Yeah, and, um, yeah, he wasn't sort of out there telling the world how to, you know, be better or worse. Or, right. No, he's just buying some nappies. Just like normal bit, bikes. for the right size. Look at the pull-ups. Yeah. Look at the extra absorbent. Yeah, just a normal bike. Yeah. Yeah, although he was nasty to my, my brother's friend. So not as meaningful. <laughs> so not as meaningful to me. Anyway, have a quiz. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's the quiz. What are these four blokes got in common? Okay. Bruce Dool, the flying doormat. Yeah. Paul Chapman, sometime tormentor of you. <laughs> Mill Hannah. Yeah. Legend of Carlton. And Nigel Smart. Could, could I add Nostradamus and, and James into this uh, category as well? Yes. So, something to do with yes. hairstyles? Yes, you're going down the right way. It's not a difficult quiz this way. Uh, a bit of... So it's mm. to do with male pattern balls? Follicularly challenged people. Yeah. yeah, they're all in. And I, I found this, uh, <laughs> the AFL ball team of the century. <laughs> okay. Um, now, it was done by Kevin Bartlett. Yeah. Um, found it on a on SEN website, but I thought, oh, that should go up there with, that's kind of important. I think so. And there were legendary names in it, but yeah, the one that, the one that I, um, the, I like, oh, I just love Bruce Gould. It Was that just long hair 
and bald or the most extreme comb over ever. I never saw it combed over. Did you? Or was it just hanging down? Just, just hung like down, a, didn't it? Yeah, like a fringe around you. Like, you didn't know. he have it like like all pushed back with yeah. the with the with the headband on? Yeah. I wonder if when he went out, if he put a bit of a bit of wax or a bit of cream in it and gave himself the comb over. A bit oh. white collar Bruce. He well, he could have done maybe. Yeah, and and I, Pierce Bruce. Then. He lost the headband once. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I don't, mate. Um, it was before my oh, time. You forget. Oh yeah, it's true. Cameron Clayton stole it. Yeah, but one of the smallest men ever to play the game, Tony Bahaja. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he threw the headband into the crowd. Did he? Yeah, and and Bruce Dool most animated anyone I've ever seen him before. Hmm. So, yeah, I like Bruce. I particularly like... What about a headband team of the century? It's a good article about Spider Everett. Yeah, Spider backline at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Tom Stewart. Spider Everett was in there with Sun on the weekend. Good article. A feature... A uh, What do they call it? A... a, um, a, 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 a like a something piece. A puff piece about puff Spider. Piece. <laughs> Anyway, uh, do you remember a name, the, the name Helen D'Amico at all? Oh, rings a bell. 1982 grand final. Oh, the uh, streaker. The streaker. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. She, um, she was paid, actually, by, um, oh, I read this somewhere. She was she was actually a stripper at the Crazy Horse um, thing, a club thing in Adelaide. Okay. And uh, she was actually paid to do that. Um and she danced around Bruce Duell and things like that. She's um I did a bit of research here. She's now a grandma living in Darwin. She's a she's a nurse. Yeah, right. Um but I particularly liked I read a quote um uh from KB and um because uh, Carlton went on to win, yeah. um, despite Bruce Duell being a bit sort of um apprehensive about Helen D'Amico. Yeah. But KB said um in, in the 82 grand final, Helen D'Amico came onto the ground and it really stuffed it up for us. We were a young team and we lost focus. <laughs> <laughs> About, in typical KB style, I was the only one old enough to handle it. <laughs> That's great. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Paul Chapman, he's taunted you. In yeah. his bald state. He has. Mm. Yeah. Do you, I'm not going to talk about it again. You don't want to talk about well, it? Well, I mean, you know, oh. there's um, just because it's sad doesn't, <laughs> that's <laughs> doesn't the theme make of it today. meaningful. That's the theme of the day. I occasionally, um, you know, if you have a, a late night and you get home and put on YouTube and I've got no premierships to kind of watch the highlights of. So I'll watch the highlights of 2010, the draw and 2009 because it was a, Saints were great. In 2009, the Saints were a top. They were amazing. Can we go through this entire season of podcasts and and mention 2009? The topo no, comes up and then oh. and then Chappy, Chapman in the goal square. And it's, you know, I cry. doesn't make it... <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make it meaningful. No, it doesn't make it meaningful. So, so, um, now, now who, who's... Play on. Um, Mill Hannah, this is the best Mill oh, Hannah. Yeah. Mill Hannah was just, I thought he was just a brilliant footballer. I really liked him. Uh, one of the first Lebanese players ever to pull the boots on. Um, brilliant, great player. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll never guess who Mill Hannah played on back in the under 19s that caused 
I do know the answer to you this do? question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's sensational. Warney. Warney. Yeah. yeah. Gary Colling, well, legendary mm-hmm. um, uh, St Kilda player and then coach of the under-19s, is quoted as, as saying after Milhanna had been on Warney for a quarter, that's it. Get him off. <laughs> um, yeah. And he said later, uh, when asked about Ward, he said um, he had the skills to be a very good player, but was carrying quite a few kilos. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Mill Hannah caused the. Oh, this is why Mill Hannah is so important in Australian sport. Because if Mill Hannah hadn't beaten Warney soundly that mm. day, mm. Warney wouldn't have swapped across to being. The dream would have been alive. Yeah, he would have yeah. gone on and played a bit of footy and maybe a bit of cricket and not been particularly brilliant at either. Yeah. Mill, thanks to Mill Hannah, we had the best spinner of all time of in all cricket. Time. Yeah. yeah, so all power to Mill Hannah. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. with, with Warney, Warney had a little bit to do with advanced hair later on in life. Yeah. I wonder if um, Brent Guerra... Uh, He's in the team of the century. But he... Ball team of the century. But he came back with hair. Yeah, had a bit of work done. I don't know that you can be in the team of the century if you if you get some follicles oh, implanted. That's true. I don't know either. Where is in the team the ball team of the century? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Nigel Smart, nickname? N- not so. <laughs> Which is nice, isn't it? Yeah, is and nice. the best Nigel Smart story is the one that's told about a million times about the fire walking, of course. Um, but uh, I didn't realise until I had a bit of a look at this. Nigel Smart actually organised the motivational speaker to come to the Adelaide thing. Mm. And they the fire pit, according to the motivational speaker that's supposed to walk across, was supposed to be two metres. But apparently the people digging the fire pit got a bit enthusiastic and dug out about 10 metres long. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, got a bit carried away. And, and Nigel Smart... He had to go first because he'd organised the whole thing to show everybody how amazing this guy was uh, and got first degree burns yeah. to the feet. There's footage of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But he, he played a, a week or so later. Um, but the, the best quote from of Nigel Smart comes from a, an Adelaide official uh, who's unnamed. I couldn't find anything about this. Uh, but an Adelaide official who's quoted as saying, Nigel looks to be intellect. Nigel looks the intellectual type, but he's no rocket science. <laughs> yeah. who, who else is in the bald team? Like, that's interesting. Not sure. Well, we'll we, maybe we'll look it up. You well, we, might, we might have to look it up because it's the end of the quarter. It is and the end uh, of the if we have read the team sheet out from the back line, we could be occupying an awful lot of time. Well, we won't so. do that to the, the listeners. Back to the footy at gmail.com. If, you, uh, if you've got any names of Mm. Follicularly challenged men who didn't make the team of the century. Yeah, have a look at the ball maybe, team of the century. Touch. It's a good team. I'm struggling to think. It's a really good team. Yeah. But they include people like obviously Gary Ablett Jr. and Juddy, who right. had hair but just chose to oh. shave off what Ablett. Was... No, they that was just the fashion. They were really yeah. bald on top. But they could have grown a bit of side work. Well, can't everyone grow a bit of side work? I don't know. Mel Hannah couldn't because he was suffering from alopecia. Alopecia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Will Smith's, yeah. There we go. Back, it all comes back, back in. Will Smith, <laughs> back again. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll you wouldn't have slapped Will ha- Mill Hannah though, would you? No. Oh, no. gee, you would have got one back. Oh, oh, yeah. No, he was tough as. You, yeah. If I told you what he did nowadays for a job, you'd know how tough he was. 
You allowed to say on air? Yeah, it just works at Harvey Norman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good place to take a break. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to the third quarter. I'm here with Nostradamus, who just warned me what we were going to talk about. And he mentioned um, Sunday classical uh, history lesson or something like that. And I thought you were, I didn't say this in the break, I thought you were going down the line of um, going back to the days where the Swans owned the Sunday game and and the and North owned the Friday night game. Oh, no. Do you we, remember those days? Yeah, yeah. North were, that was when North were really good, though. North were great. Swans uh, were terrible. Swans were terrible. <laughs> um, and it but it re- did produce a great Saints and Swans classic. That plugger, uh, you know, getting him over the line from mm. 40, 50 points down or something when he torped the, the ball into the, <laughs> the cheer squad. <laughs> oh, that's great right. footage. And shouldn't there be more of, of kicking it sort of straight into the Opp- crowd like opposition, that? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was once at, um, I once at a Premier League game and for some obscure reason I got, I was my seat was right sort of to the side of the the goals and um, uh, I forget this was I think this was at Ipswich strangely enough mm. when they were in the Premier League and um, and somebody cracked one from just outside the penalty box mm. and um, it avoided the goals and just came straight from my head and I just took it uh, in front of the eyes yeah of course. Yeah, thumbs together. Yeah, thumbs together and fingers neatly splayed. Yeah. (laughs) My God, I didn't know soccer balls were pumped up to that level. All right. Way, way more pumped up than any any soccer ball or football that I'd ever had anything to do with. Yeah, it was so hard. Yeah. My hands were stinging. Anyway, that's uh, that's. Unexpected. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's just a bit of a diversion. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Do you um, you, you do follow the Premier League? You follow soccer? Oh, I do. Yeah, I I I watched yeah watched my team last night just get just barely over the line with a penalty, a disputed penalty which got them over the line uh, and left them in fourth place. But I don't. Who's your team? The Spurs. Spurs. Yeah. yeah, for no other reason. I'm not actually. Um, I'm not Jewish. Um, uh, Sympathetic. So, no, well, yeah, sympathetic yeah. to all. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I just the first team I ever saw on TV in, in and yeah. match of the day, yeah, which right. is way before your time. You used to have the the, the fantastic theme music and a man called uh, Jimmy somebody with the weirdest beard and chin I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, right. Jimmy Hill. Jimmy Hill. Yeah, okay. and it used to have that music that. <laughs> and uh, it was very similar to the winners. In yeah, the, it just okay. showed you. Yeah, little bits and pieces from each game. Oh, and, that's, yeah. Yeah, oh, so I, I saw Spurs days. and thought, oh, yeah. And my mate, Drooper, oh, I shouldn't call him that soon. <laughs> he he barracked for Arsenal, so oh, I kind of wanted to, yeah, I liked barracking for the other team. Mm. Um, Did, um, yeah, no, what about Ange Postacoglu? Oh. Wasn't that a great moment? Yeah. And as a... As a <laughs> Bringing it back to the Saints. Saints, oh. have, Saints have a good win. So I got up early. Uh, I didn't get up early. I got up and I was looking forward to watching um, Offsiders on the ABC. I thought, we'll be the lead story. Mm. It was 25 minutes of bloody Celtic and Ange and Tom Rogic. Ro- what's his name? Rogic. Rogic. Right, yeah. And uh, at about, so that starts at 10.30. Mm. At about 10.57. And Paddy Ryder had a good game for St Kilda. That's all you oh, need. I'm glad that I put the morning on hold for that. 
Jeez. Oh, okay. oh no. I think, yeah, mm. we need to talk more about Ange later. Yeah. Um, yesterday afternoon, I watched some football. I yep. wasn't feeling over chipper yesterday afternoon. No. And um, so I watched quite a bit of football. I was struck at one point by Dwayne Russell. Yeah. And I don't know what you think of Dwayne Russell as a commentator. I'm ambivalent, but um, he <laughs> was referring you're to... You're a Dwayne agnostic? I'm a Dwayne agnostic. Okay. He was referring to the Frio player Neil Erasmus at yeah. one point and, and likened his play to his namesake, and I can use the word eponymous here if I want, <laughs> I think. Eponymous. Uh, um, <laughs> the philosopher, the Dutch philosopher um, Erasmus. And um, also kicked thought, his first goal in uh, in a Sunday footy match. Yeah, in, in yeah. 1483. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I saw new dimensions of Dwayne. And Do you I remember just what thought, he said? Oh, no, I was so struck at the time by the fact that Dwayne Russell's talking about uh, his namesake, uh, you know, uh, the Dutch philosopher Erasmus from the early Reformation, mm. and then just kept on commentating. <laughs> I was like... Boy, we've gone highbrow on a Sunday afternoon, and I thought, gee, there should, maybe there should be more of this. Maybe one game a week could just have classical overtones and references or something, like a a quota system where that you know every five mm. minutes of play there needs to be a reference. Yeah, somewhere. somehow a reference, or or when perhaps players on the market gesticulating and appealing, the 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 umpire could decide whether it's demonstrative questioning in a Socratic manner. Or just a really rude bit of questioning of the decision. Yeah. Yeah, in a more O'Brien Taylor kind of manner. And I think if you if it was done in a Socratic manner, no penalty. No penalty at all. Because you shouldn't be penalised for arguing in a logical and constructive way, even with the ref. That's just my view. So, you know, like so the goal you could have a goal review, not on whether it was touched off the boot, but what is a goal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and in the Socratic manner, that it, just because everyone thinks it's a goal, does that necessarily mean it's a goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. If the player kicks a goal in the woods and no one sees him kick it, yeah, okay. exactly. And then a bit later, a bit later, I'm watching Carlton and Anthony Hudson. Oh, there was this great goal, and then we saw this that Jack Silvani kicked. Um, I saw a highlight. It was very good. And as you know, I'm a big Jack Silvani fan. I I was a fan of his dad and of his grandpa. Mm -hmm. Although the old Serge Silvani, I rarely saw. Imagine, imagine Raoul as a in there, in and under, get the boy. But imagine that, but just in a really confused and uncoordinated way, Mm. getting the ball out, but looking at the same time like an octopus that's been, you know, startled. That was Surge. That was Surge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somehow he managed to extract the ball in a flurry of arms and legs and chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he was good. Anthony Hudson goes with at this point. Was that Silvani or Svengali? Wow. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, you're going down the literary le- reference. Yeah. So we had we had uh, Dwayne going down the philosophical re- references, and now Anthony Hudson's turning around with. With literary references to uh, to the myth, you know, mythological, I suppose, or whatever, just in in literature. Svengali, the mm. hypnotist and magician who um, held power over oh some singer mm. uh, in a book 
that was written in the late 1800s or something like yeah, that. Okay. Uh, I can't remember who wrote it. All I remember, I don't remember his name exactly, but I know he was Daphne de Maurier's grandfather. Is that right? Yeah. And you might be one. Uh, Daphne de Maurier wrote, wrote, wrote some good books. Yeah. Sure, only reason sure. I know about Helen DeMarco. Is that, yeah, is that a name? D'Amico. D'Amico. Mm. Might have written a book or two. But I wonder yeah. what other literary references have there. But, I mean, when Colin Miller played for Australia, did he play with David Byrne? Well, I think so. Mills and Byrne? <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh. Sorry, mate. No, that's Bring the right. tone down. Yeah. And then a bit later... <laughs> And my, my highlight of the afternoon, which was just saying an awful lot about, I think saying an awful lot about me, but um, I was sitting there and I was, was paying attention. I wasn't, you know, just drifting off or anything like that. And, and BT goes with, uh, at this point, and he's got him in the llama tackle. And I thought, I've never heard of the llama tackle before. What's a llama tackle? Oh, I didn't know. So I looked up the llama tackle because I had my iPad sitting there with me mm. and I could find no references. I found lots of references to the llama, lots of references to tackle, and I had to avoid most of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the llama tackle, and then I thought, oh, I've probably just misheard and that's the end of the story. Um, yeah, the llama tackle. Mm. And I'm really hoping now that I can sort of find out it's some way of it. Yeah, getting it into popular culture, the llama tackle. No one actually knows what it is. Well, uh, uh, I mentioned it this morning to a to a colleague, Murray, who suggested that's just you know it's just spitting on someone before you tackle them. Oh. Yeah, llama style. Because the llama loves a spit. Yes. As do all those you know, yeah. uh, camel type, you know, all those things, vicuñas and llamas and alpacas. Yeah. And, yeah, they all love a spit. Is one Murray, of them is Murray a bit of a llama uh, aficionado? Enthusiast? I think he might be. Yeah, loves a llama. A camel once spat on my mother's summer hat. Mm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's nothing much more to that story either, really, other than she hated camels from yeah, from then on. Just because those, yes, but she had the same fear of camels uh, that I have of geese. Oh yeah, the yeah. Go- the goose is a, a pretty common common phobia because they're just at that height for a little toddler. If you get one honking in your in your face, yeah, that's the same with the swan. You grow yeah. up in Ballarat, you you yeah. you're not happy with the swan at eye level if you're a toddler at all. No, no. Um, and as you get older, of course, and grow up, you've got the goose, the goose, the dan- most dangerous part of the goose, in my opinion. It's more or less at sort of reproductive height. Yeah, yeah, which is that's not comforting either. Without going on about the show that I'm in at the moment, the uh, the the room that we get ready in, you got to. It's at the museum, and you've got to walk through an area with with birds, um, you know, in the cabinets. Oh, the the stuff, the taxidermy, the, the taxidermy birds, and they're everywhere. Birds, as far as the eye can see, oh. and I, I didn't even notice. But then I found out that one of the actors is seriously phobic <laughs> to birds. Oh, I love oh, a taxidermy. That must be really bird. hard. Must mm. be really hard. Yeah, you do that. Oh yeah. I, look, if if I retire, if I could take up one hobby, it'd be taxidermy. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure. Just in the house, especially down here in the pod cave. Yeah, yeah, a bit of taxidermy would be if people can't just stay. No, you might be considered just because it's just because it's sad. It doesn't make it meaningful. Just because it's sad doesn't make it meaningful. Um, no. Back to Erasmus for a second. The humanist. Mm. I um I had the, the pleasure of playing at a humanist uh, wake, a humanist yeah wake, the celebration of 
the life of not the burial or the ceremony after just the wake just the wake well so me and my now wife were busking over in scotland at the time and this woman came and, and saw us playing with her i think her son uh anyway came uh, the son came back about three or four days later well, from the dead no the son didn't die but his mum who was with him a few days before came back and said oh the mum died the mum died i was hoping it was a joke no, no, it's it's, it's oh, right. well, but the thing is, it, it wasn't is sad. It wasn't sad to them, but, and yet not meaningful. It wasn't sad to them. It's quite meaningful <laughs> because they um, because humanists. It's it's part of the cycle. Mm. It's like she mm. became, you know, worm food again, and and this wake was the best part. It's not that. It's not, that not that pleasing. You're saying that with a big smile, but I, the, the, I can't the, go along with it myself. The wake. Well, you're not, you're not a humanist. No, this, not a this humanist. woman and all her friends were, and this was a party that topped all other parties. So I was there playing the accordion and we'd play a few tunes Ooh, and then someone, <laughs> <laughs> then someone would get up and tell some poetry and then we'd play a few more tunes on the accordion and someone would get up and sing a, a Scottish, you know, folk song. And yeah, just that. The, the, when you say we, we play a few more tunes on the accordion, were you playing a sort of, she played the little buttons and you played the keys? Uh, she was playing the, the violin. She was playing oh, right, the okay. but, uh But the Scots have got a lot. In common with the Balinese, in that way, I've, I found out because I also learned a bit of Balinese gamelan music to play at cremation ceremonies. Right. And I was in Bali, and I got had this amazing experience, which culminated in being at the the ceremony where they take the body in this big paper mache cow down to the river, and there's this old guy with a flamethrower that just cremates oh. the cow and the body in front of your eyes. So I'm. The white, the sole white guy there going, this is traumatic. How is, you know, this is, there were kids running around and I looked around, they were running around laughing. The flamethrower though. Flamethrower, like a. Like an actual flamethrower. An actual flamethrower, I kid you not. So these kids are running around just playing games, parents laughing and happy. And I said to my drum teacher who I was there with, I said, what's going on here, mate? They, this is pretty sad. And he's like, yeah, but that's just, that's just the body. Like, um. She's already, she's already over there. And he pointed over and there was this little girl playing. And in, in, in all of their eyes, she'd been reborn already. And this was them oh. just cleaning up the mess. And so was, for him, it wasn't sad. For none of them, it was sad. Or meaningful. <laughs> it, was, it was just waste disposal. With oh. some really happy music going on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ultimate tangent right there. You're giving me the wind up, old Nostradamus. So uh, we'll, we'll take a break mm. on that happy note. Yeah, and a very quick final quarter, I think. All right, see you in a minute. Welcome back to the final quarter, back to the footy, episode nine. And I'm here with Nostradamus. Thanks, James. Yes, we're just... Uh, oh. Just been discussing the mishearing <laughs> and the, the mishearing of the llama tackle, which I love, the llama tackle. And I was just... Uh, just mentioning when I when a much younger man and um, my dear late wife said to to bring home something. It was down in the phone and left this message, and all I could hear it as was, "Don't forget the gay moose mango." <laughs> and I got I didn't want to sort of say I couldn't work out what the hell the gay moose mango was, and when I got home mentioned this. She didn't have a clue either. So <laughs> the game Miss Mango was just left to, it could have, I've no idea. But you can get them from Harvey Norman. Game Miss. <laughs> yeah, whatever game it was. Mango. Could, yeah, the game Miss Mango. Maybe um, go and ask Neil Hatter. 
Yeah, you could go. Yeah. Oh, he's he's there. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've got a friend who uh, who put a tribute up to his wife on Mother's Day this year on on Facebook, and he uh, he wrote, "Dear um, you know, dear wife, I really hope you've had a great Mother's Day and that you've been spoiled by all of your living kids." <laughs> <laughs> And then in the comments at the bottom, there was all the asterisks saying... Sad and meaningful. You meant to say loving kids. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you've got... Yeah, you've sort of gone stuff. down the religious line again. Yeah, yeah. with that sort of thing, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, oh my geez. goodness. Yeah, that wouldn't be... Oh, no. Now, this week's round, talking of... Oh, no. Yeah, this, oh, I think you said it well before. It kicks off well, but then degenerates rapidly. Could be a good time to go camping on Saturday. Yeah, I think if you've got some other sport you're really interested, like the, you know, the third division playoffs between Swindon Town and, you know, my uh, next door neighbor, else. My next door neighbour is a Swindon Town fan. Oh, all right. So did you know that? Uh, my, my friend Nicole's a Luton Town fan. Oh. She's from Luton and they're playing in the playoffs too. So well, big, maybe I've, uh, uh, yeah. Big uh, shout out to Nicole and Russell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really, I've never been interested in Luton in my life. Although I once uh, went out, when, when I was at uni, I went out with a girl whose dad owned a pet shop in St Albans, which is just next door to Luton, I think. That, that's as much as I can. That's it's the only got. connection. I've got nothing with Swindon except for it's where the office is, is uh, set. The, you know, the BBC. Yeah. Well, it's not set. It's set in Slough, but the, the Swindon mob come and yeah. join the office. Yeah. God, it's a good show. I've never done anything to do with Swindon when I lived in England at all, yeah. except get off the platform, get a can of drink and get back on. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not a place that I think a bit like Luton. It's not exactly It's not exactly Bath or Lincoln, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh <laughs> Carlton, Sydney. Yeah, good game. Good game. Good game. Yeah, and, and the Carlton didn't lose an awful lot without without Harry Mackay there. I'd prefer GWS. I prefer, <laughs> prefer Sydney Carlton on Sunday afternoon, but a sunny SCG. Yeah, I like Sydney on a Sunday. Bit afternoon. of nostalgia, but anyway, Friday yeah. night lights. It'll be yeah, be a good game. Yeah, I like Sydney in the daytime. Can you have daytime teams and nighttime teams? I think so. Yeah, Glenn Archer loved it at night. I yeah, think that's why North Melbourne was so good. Yeah, he just liked to pummel people at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talking about pummeling things, we should we should have a talk one podcast about the relationship between pickets, kickets, and motlops, so we can just talk about Byron Pickett. Yeah, <sighs> Byron Pickett was scarier than a goose. Yeah, yeah, or a llama. Um, <laughs> he used to spit before he tackled. Oh no, he never spat. No, he's a no. lovely bloke. Um, Geelong Port Adelaide. That's going to be a good game. Oh, that'll be a good game. Is Porter a good team? I think they are. And Western Bulldogs, Gold Coast. Western Bulldogs just with a with with playing only playing with their six midfielders, seven midfielders, yep. and leaving you know everybody else just on the on the pine. Mm. Not even bother. I don't think they'll bother putting them on the ground this week. They'll, they'll, they'll it'll be zero six zero. They might instead just, of six six six. Yeah, they might just have virtual players like they used to have at the at football park when. When no one was going to the footy in Adelaide, and they'd have virtual crowds and virtual yeah. sponsorships and things like that. Or mm. well, during the pandemic, they did that as well, right? Yeah, the virtual ads. Yeah, maybe I they'll have virtual the Western Bulldogs or go virtual forwards. Mm. Okay, just for the broadcast. Yeah, and I'm I'm really hoping Gold Coast turn up again because I like watching Gold Coast, and then it just somehow it just sort of goes to, oh, just it doesn't make your weekend seem nearly as exciting when you're looking at. 
North versus Melbourne. What did you think of Adelaide? What did you? Kilda. Yeah, oh. just stop back at Melbourne for a second because I, I didn't surprisingly didn't make the time to watch that game. Oh, I think very few. But the report, the reports were that West Coast supporters could be buoyed by their uh, by their enthusiasm, and their, their effort. Yeah, so I thought maybe they got within thirty five or forty. 74-point loss. You can't be enthusiastic about that. They did play quite well in the second and third quarter, but just again, Melbourne were in third gear, which is worrying. Yeah. And you know when the team wins by 80 points and they don't really sing the club song with any great mm. fervour, mm. that they're not that happy about mm-hmm. the whole performance. Um, Adelaide and Saints. This is oh, it's a danger game for St Kilda. No, no <laughs> Jack Steele. No, well, there's no Jack Steele, no Jack Higgins. Two Jacks down. We don't, we don't do well unless we've got at least five in the team. You'll win comfortably. Richmond, it's a <laughs> dream time game. I, I love the dream time game. I like the idea of it, but it doesn't often deliver. Oh, it sometimes doesn't deliver, does yeah. it? And I've got a feeling, a well, really bad feeling that this one isn't going to deliver because I think Richmond will just run over the top of them. Yeah. Essendon are an absolute... Oh, gee, they're a rabble. They are, yeah. Mm. The, what about uh, Luke Parker and Dylan Shield? I, I'm going to go on record as saying... I don't like the taunting. I don't like sledging. I don't like taunting. And contrary to a whole lot of people that talk about this all the time, in fact, actually pre-contrary mm. to people, let me just say the people that are opposite me in this view actually are sports people of note. Mm. So I've not a leg to stand on here. But <laughs> I don't think the sledging gets you really an advantage. I can't see it. Because when the New Zealand cricket team, I know this is only one example, New Zealand cream team went to went to no sledging and just playing the game and became, a, became yeah, an absolute a powerhouse. I just don't think you need to do it. It's it, the mark of, I mean, but Luke Parker's a good player. Oh, yeah. But it's, is. you know, I often, I reckon Zach Dawson would have been a bit of a sledger. Yeah, he had to have a weapon somewhere hidden around. I got sent off in the under-14s for um, standing on the mark and, and swearing at the, I took it too far. Right. With hindsight, it's, I regret it. I said, you know, Instead of just saying chewy on your boot. Oh, you said a certain type of chewy. <laughs> I threw a few expletives in there. And oh. Rightly got told none of that on the footy field. Yeah. I only did it once, though. Did your dad find out? I learned from it. Yeah, he, wasn't, he wasn't happy. Yeah, we had, a, no. we had a chat. That's okay. You learn. You live, you learn. And uh, I certainly learned. What about... I? I my, my friend, um, uh, Rob, his son, who's a, who played football with my son, mm. um, we were playing out, uh, playing an under th- under twelves game uh, mm-hmm. against a, a team that had a couple of rough lads in it, and one of them halfway through the third quarter really got stuck into young Tom and gave him an absolute mouthful of abuse, and and when Thomas came off the ground, this little eleven year old had mm-hmm. been given the absolute mouthful, um, he appealed to his dad, who at that time was a solicitor, and wanted his dad to uh, to sue this person's family. For, for calling him names. Mm. Just a bit white-collar, isn't it? A bit white-collar. <laughs> Might be an extra verse in the white-collar holler right there. Oh, uh, yeah. A bit of a white-collar response. I, I, didn't, didn't, didn't just walk up and give him one. I think while... Wanted to sue him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, Parker, um, I didn't like that he kept going with it. No. I, the, the one little, uh, the, you know, rush of blood, one little sledge. I I wouldn't have minded if he'd done one and then the Essendon boys got, a, got around Sheila and... And, you know, yeah, pushed him around, pushed Parker around a bit, or kept... told Dylan Shell that he was really weak and to lift his game. 
that mightn't be well, a bad that, thing either, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. But just the fact that he went, he went on and on. That wasn't a good look. No, it wasn't a good look. No, it wasn't that funny. It wasn't a good no. look. And I think he's bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on. Um, Dockers and Collingwood, I think Dockers will just win. Brisbane and Hawthorne, Brisbane will just win. And GWS and West Coast. Could that be the lowest crowd of the season? The lowest number of people, you think, for this season? It's at... Um, it's a GWS home game, yeah. wherever that is, Canberra or somewhere out in the back blocks of the GS. West Coast. Is that the sponsor? GS. GS. I don't know that stadium. Must be a sponsor thing. Yeah. Or unless they've um, they've just taken it up to Bendigo and playing it at Golden Square oh, or something. Maybe. I've um, just clicked on more info. Giants Stadium. Oh, Giants Stadium. Yeah. So the showgrounds. The showgrounds, yeah. I reckon they'll get about 4,000 there. But they'll say that there's 10. Oh, they'll say there's yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there'll be virtually, there'll be in each of those bays, like I noticed once before, there's about five six people yeah and even they're not that interested yeah i don't know why they're there they don't know why they're there yeah <sighs> only kevin sheedy knows why they're there i think that game that's the game that that's the nick cave game it's it's sad and not very meaningful sad and not, it's not going to have an impact on anything yeah 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 i think on that note <laughs> people people in years to come if anybody listens to these podcasts as a sort of an overall thing they'll go oh that was the the difficult depressing episode <laughs> do you reckon there'll be some back to the footy uh oh it's been researchers and... yeah a little bit it's been death heavy this episode yeah, yeah that's okay is it a, yeah okay maybe what we're doing here is laying down a cultural uh touchstone for the future to come back what was life like in 2022 in, yeah uh well light and shade it wasn't all beer and skittles that's right yeah yeah okay all right on that, that right note, uh, <laughs> I've noticed a few a few people have liked the Facebook page that we still haven't put anything on yet, but keep liking it. And as soon as we do it, we will. As soon as we put something on there, you'll be the first to know. Back to the footy at gmail.com. You can send us an email. Maybe mock up a little uh, a little artist impression of Nostradamus with his uh, velour slippers on. Yeah. And uh, a nice two piece uh, track tracky dacks and what do you call the jumper? Oh, it's just a really really filthy. Um... A fleece. Food stained windsheeter. Windsheeter. A windsheeter. A windsheeter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that on that note, I uh, hope you're enjoying your wintry afternoon in a windsheeter. Yeah, and if not, find someone who is and give them the llama tackle. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>